I just think like, again, it's just talking about it. Like nothing really, there's no way to kind of change the narrative about it unless more people are willing to talk. And I think the more people that do, I, I, you know, then it just becomes a bit more of an awareness, like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is very legitimate thing. Like it's not just one person complaining, you know, you have dozens of athletes sharing similar stories and then you can kind of understand like, Hey, this is a pretty, pretty common thing. There's another side to good health and that's good mental health. Hey y'all, this is Connor. We're really excited to bring you this quick check-in session with LPGA tour player, Marina Alex. Marina's a winner on tour. She won the Cambia Portland Classic in 2018, and we talk about her experience coming down the stretch, trying to protect a four-stroke lead. She's coming back to Portland next week for the tournament, and I am so stoked to meet her in person. This quick hit interview gets right into it, reacclimating to competition during COVID, how to decompress after a tough round, and what to do when your pants rip on the golf course. Before this session, Bradford, Drew, and myself are very, very happy to announce that we've started working with a new golf ball manufacturer, Uncommon. The Uncommon brand just launched, but we've already gotten in some rounds with their golf balls, and we're really pleased with how they perform. Not to mention, they are super affordable. I play the Model 55s, which is their harder-shelled, high-compression ball. I've only lost one of them, and I made it birdie putt on 16 to win my match, so I'm riding with them. Go check them out at uncommon.golf and use GGT at checkout for free shipping on your order. Okay, here's our check-in session with Marina. Let us know what you think, hit them straight, and mind your golf. Where in the world are you right now? I I asked that earlier, but I couldn't hear you. I am in Florida, Palm Beach Gardens. Okay, and is that where you live at the moment? Yeah, I've been living here about seven years. Um, It's just a very easy place for playing golf, you know, lots of golf courses, easy to travel. Um, you know, it's just very, very convenient for our job. Totally. And when you, so like you, you'll spend weeks long stretches on the road. Um, what does, how do you find comfort in that, in those periods where you're out for multiple weeks and things like that, when you're traveling, living out of hotels and things? Yeah, it's, been um in years past you know i will rent an airbnb and stay with like a couple other players like girls that i'm close with and you know we'll either cook or you know whatever it's just kind of like it feels a little more um comfortable and then some weeks i you know everyone kind of needs their own space and you you know we'll do a hotel by yourself and just decompress um but it's funny you know when we first came back to travel with COVID, like we really weren't allowed to do any of those room sharings or we weren't allowed to do housing. Like I have some families that I've met over the years and I go back and stay with them at the same tournaments, you know, that I've done like five, six, seven years. And like, we weren't allowed to do that at first either. And it was very, very lonely. Like the first couple months back were, were rough because you were by yourself, like every single week, you know, you can't go out to eat. Um, you know, even when you're at the course, you're supposed to be, you know, socially distanced, you know, you couldn't go into the clubhouse to eat. There were times like that was happening and it was just, it was a very unusual experience. Um, and it definitely made golf a little bit harder, I think. And now as difficult as COVID still is, um, 
we're trying to like get back to some of that normalcy, you know, Mm-hmm. because like vaccination rates have gone up and like we there's like a little bit more safety and knowing that we can kind of do a little bit more um mm-hmm. so it's getting back to like what it used to be and i think like that is probably the best way to like get the normalcy back it's just you know like <laughs> I, when i come in a couple of weeks i'm staying with like two other girls that i know pretty well on tour we're renting a house and it's just gonna feel like you know kind of normal hopefully <laughs> as normal as it can cooks I do the cooking. <laughs> oh, okay. What What's on the menu? We're, we're, what are you chefing yeah, up? We're going to jump ahead. Yeah. Okay, we're jumping right ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> What's on the menu at a Marina Alex dinner? It depends. Like, last, we were at, in Scotland a couple weeks ago, and I was trying really hard to be healthy. So, like, the first few nights, I was making, like, salmon and vegetables, and I was, like, doing really good. And then I just completely like blew it out. And I was like, guys, I think I'm going to make carbonara. Cause like, I really just Ooh. want like, <laughs> I just yeah. want like, a meal of like thousands of calories. <laughs> carbonara. Oh, she cook, cook. You carbo loaded. <laughs> so yeah, I carbo loaded. No, I, I, um, I like love cooking Italian food. Like that's most of my background. Um, yeah. so that's like my, my go-to. Um, but no, I can like actually cook other food. <laughs> it's just not as fun. <laughs> For sure. so you cook up the you you cook up the sun the 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 family Sunday dinner then at, at your place. Yeah, um, I try to do like a couple, couple times a week. It's it's not that easy. Like if you know if I have to get up early to play the next day, I probably won't. Um, just because it's like a lot of work and it's exhausting. But if I know I can like sleep in and I can kind of like do whatever and take time to go to the grocery store store and like pick out what I want to make, then it's fine. But if it doesn't work and just get takeaway. I mean, the beauty of Portland is there's going to be like a million places to eat. So I, I don't know how much I'll actually be cooking that week because I'd rather eat. Really good food city. Yeah. Um, not to mention, I, I guess, like if you're staying in an Airbnb with some of your competitors, you might have a little advantage of making some food for them and slipping a, you know, some, <laughs> something in the food maybe to give yourself a competitive advantage. I, I didn't say, wow. I don't know. Um, the old, the old Michael, the Michael Jordan wow. pizza. There it is. Yeah, that's, that's a dagger move right there. I would <laughs> never do that to someone. <laughs> I would never expect it from you. I would never expect it from you. No, man, you don't want to be on the course having issues. That's yeah. like no fun. <laughs> yeah. that's that's bad karma too, for sure. I don't yeah, know you what know. the setup yeah. is like at Columbia Golf uh, at Oregon Golf Club, but like you know, if there's not a lot of bathrooms. That's a problem. <laughs> it gets that's a problem. It gets man. dicey. It gets dicey. Um, I, I was going to ask you about that. So venue change for this year, uh, at the Cambia yeah. Portland classic, we're moving to Oregon golf club, um, really beautiful golf course, but how do you go into a tournament week with a course that you haven't seen before? What's the preparation change like for that? It's a little different, but you know, we, we do it often enough. Like a U.S. open venue is new. The British open each year is a new venue. It's not like we don't have to go out and learn a new golf course, um, for certain events. So it's just, it's kind of the same for everyone. Um, no one will really be in an advantage. I don't think you'll see, like, if that's a venue that they stick with over the next few years that you'll probably see like scores improve as people play it more and, and learn it. But for the first year, I think, um, you know, it's just really hard to say what we're going to get. Uh, but everyone just goes out there, plays a practice round and, you know, we tee it up and, See what happens. Bombs away. Yeah. Um, how does, I, I want to know more about like what your on course persona 
is like like how does how does at what points in a tournament are you feeling the most comfortable and at what points in a tournament are you feeling the stress and the pressure sort of weigh on you yeah that's a good question it's a fine line i think that i kind of float somewhere in between feeling a little too chill and feeling too stressed like i kind of need like that middle ground where i'm a little like feeling some competitiveness and, you know, maybe that translates a little bit into like anxiety or nervous energy or whatever. Um, I guess like a good descriptor would be like the way you watch Spieth play golf, you know, how he just feels like he's always either talking about something or he's very like keyed up and he's like really into like everything. I wouldn't say that I'm not um, on that level, but I think something like a notch below that is probably like my best performance state. And then when I get like too far into speed land, then like, I think that my performance kind of drops off. But then if I'm not really there, I'm kind of going through the motions too. So it's kind of like it floats somewhere in between. Mm. It's, it's interesting to see guys like, you know, like you, you mentioned Jordan Spieth versus you watch uh, people like Dustin Johnson, who is so calm, cool, collected. Yeah. You're like, is this guy even alive right now? Is he breathing? <laughs> so, yeah. I don't understand him whatsoever. Like, I really don't. Like, he is fascinating to watch, but also, like, I genuinely don't know how he does anything. Um, yeah, because yeah. I'm like, I don't know if he's thinking about anything. <laughs> I don't think he is. <laughs> maybe, that's why, maybe that's why he's so good. He's, he's not thinking about anything. I have, like, so many conversations with, like, other players on tour about that. Like, being, like, man if it, you can just simplify it at its like most fundamental level like you will probably long term be better off than like the over analyzing element um but you know your brain is your brain and it's really hard to change like how you process and do something so like you have to learn that and then figure out like what your best performance state is and then like try to continue to recreate that yeah, but things throw you off, like stress throws you off, mm -hmm. um, nerves, you know, even like day to day life can throw you off. Like if something external is happening, you know, you may not even acknowledge that that's like probably going to affect your concentration and stress levels like on the golf course. So everything kind of is interwoven. Is your self-talk more internal or is it do you have those moments where it's where it's external? It's weird. Um, you, it's been very internal and lately it's gotten a bit external and I've noticed that I'm just like getting a little more frustrated mm. with myself lately. Um, and I just think, you know, it, it's been a lot, like took so much time off from playing because of COVID came back and then I, I had an injury and then I had another seven months off again. And so like, I basically felt like I went a whole calendar year, like not competing. Mm. So I'm trying to play catch up. And I think like my patience level isn't great right now. Cause I'm thinking like I should be doing better. Um, but I really have had like a kind of a awkward, like uphill battle to get back. Mm. So um, yeah, I'm not being very patient with myself and I'm kind of like, I think letting that be known, like, outwardly um and yeah it's funny you brought that up like for this next stretch of golf going back out i'm gonna really try to like not be as frustrated and angry i feel like it's actually translated into anger <laughs> mm. Mm. <laughs> yeah mm. but i want to try and like work on that a bit it's really not like very much cares um characteristic of me so i'm mm. trying to figure out why that is happening and work on kind of fixing it a bit 
watching too many watching too many Jordan Spieth videos. High yeah, totally. Low light. I was going to ask if that translates uh, off the course as well. I mean, mm. look, this this game is hard as shit. You know, like, so <laughs> I, I think the only thing that I have realized, like as I've matured and I've been out here, is like I used to bring that home. Like whether it's like hotel room by myself or maybe with like staying with someone else. And, like, I would brew for, like, hours, right? And I'm like, no one wants to listen to that shit. Like, no one wants to deal with, like, my pity party, you know? So, like, if I just, you just got to get over yourself and you have to do it quickly. Because it'll honestly make golf better for you when you go back out the next day if you're not lingering on all of that stuff. Mm. Well, and if you don't have that outlet, you have the three shrinks right here. Yeah. You can always always listen to you. (laughs) Always down for an impromptu check-in session. Um, so is having said that, is there a behavior or like something that you do after around typically to like get your mind off things? Like, is there somebody you talk to or or you go eat or something like that that helps you forget? Eating helps. Um, food therapy definitely (laughs) helps, but no, sometimes it's just as simple as like, I need decompression quality, like me time and I'll just turn on a show. And I'll just sit there for a couple hours and just not talk to anyone and just kind of let myself like get away from it and just do mindless things. And then you kind of snap out of it. Um, And being honestly, for me, being with other people and staying with other people will force me out of it because I really don't want to be a burden on someone else. Like I I don't want to ruin their day. Mm -hmm. So, you know, having a roommate or whatever the case may be, like, I'll, I'll, I probably won't do as much as if I was alone because mm. no one, then I'm unchecked. Like no one's going to tell me, Hey, knock it off, you know? So that's kind of where, um, being around other people and just forcing yourself to be social, even if you don't want to can kind of really just kick you right out of a bad habit. Mm, that's interesting. And, and so like, let's say you do have a roommate, um, staying in Airbnb with other players. Do you find that, I don't want to use the word stewing necessarily, but like they know exactly what you're going through. You know exactly what they're going through. Just, just. Yeah. Sometimes it's like vice versa. Like maybe someone else I'm staying with is really struggling, like had a bad week or something crazy happened and, you know, on the golf course. And it's like, they need, you know, they have their own process for dealing with it. But, and that's like, I stay with players that I've known now for a long time and we kind of get each other in that regard. And, you know, we know, like when's a good time to talk and when maybe, you know, just need your time. Um, and that's like a cool thing. You know, we have some very deep, like bonds, like friendships, like even though we are competitors, like there is definitely that level of understanding, Mm -hmm. um, that goes completely like unspoken a lot of the time and you just kind of get what they're going through and, and vice versa. Yeah. Who are, who are some of those people that you, spend spend time with or or like play practice rounds with or who you're just excited to see at the at the driving range in the morning before a tournament yeah one of my really good friends who i stay with a lot um her name is jody you were at Chadoff. she is from the uk she's a, i think a maybe a year older than i am mm-hmm. um we've been staying together for you know years um and then two of my other like really close um, traveling companions are basically not playing anymore, which is like devastating. Um, Tiffany Joe, she just took a job. Um, she's now coaching at, um, university San Marcos, um, in Southern Cal. And then Maria Jose Uribe, who is from Colombia, another one of my travel mates. 
Um, she just had a baby, so she's not really out all that much. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like really close with some other girls, like Michelle. Um, Michelle Wee is one of my really, really good friends. We don't ever stay together on the road, but just like someone I miss seeing at tournaments, like she mm-hmm. just hasn't been playing as much. Yeah. She also just had a kid. Um, so everyone's lives are kind of like changing and shifting and like we're growing up and different things are happening and it's like the routine and the comfortability that you're kind of used to is, is also shifting, which is, it's been difficult. Yeah. I believe that. Is there like, is there a time in your, I mean, your, your professional career has been, um, you're still like in the, I would say some degree of an early stages of your professional career. Um, is, is there a time that you can look back on that you feel really nostalgic about like early travel days with some of those people or, or things like that? Early. Yeah. Early travel days. I'd say probably like years, 2017, 18 and 19, like when a, I was playing well, but also like, I was just really enjoying like the travel and being on tour and I just felt like I had like my group and my friends and like you know my like physical therapist my caddy like all of those people like everyone that I was with like I really just like I just felt like my whole Mm -hmm. um core team and like it's funny yes my competitors are not my team and I don't know if they would look at it this way but like I do consider the girls that I stay with and that that are close friends of mine like part of my team even though Mm -hmm. we're like competing against one another like they're still, you know, like very valued people in my life. So, um, yeah, like I felt like all of that was like really like strong, I guess, in those years. And, you know, COVID's basically knocked everything on its head. So like, I think we're all trying to like rebuild in some ways, like everything. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Having, having your people is important. Yeah. It like really that, is that, the most important thing. It really, that, that's one thing that COVID taught all of us, I think, is priorities. And, you know, if you can find a situation, if you can find a group of people that make you happy and make you comfortable and make you feel seen and heard, yeah, that probably goes much further than, like... Practicing my five iron for, like... <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> and hitting, hitting knockdowns on the range after firing a 77. Like, who cares? Like, yeah, because your, <laughs> your mental health, like, and the state of where you're at emotionally really allows you to perform. Mm-hmm. I think it's really difficult to go out and perform um, day in and day out if you're under, like, some kind of duress. Like, it's just hard. You can get away with it a little bit here and there. Um but you just feel like you're in panic mode a lot of the time. And it's like, okay to do it like for a round or two, or maybe a tournament week, like you can get by, but like if there are things that are really preventing you from feeling what I would say at peace, um, then like, it's really going to come up and bite you at some point because it, that, that doesn't go away and it will manifest itself somewhere. And usually just appears out of nowhere in like a bad way. And you're just like, where did that come from? And it's been there the whole time. It's just been a <laughs> Yeah, I mean, not to yeah, mention, like... It's just a band-aid. Yeah, I mean, like, this past year alone has been so remarkably stressful and full of anxiety for everyone. And then as viewers of professional athletes, I feel like we've put undue pressure on y'all to just perform the way that you always have. Have you felt any degree of that sort of pressure? Yeah, it's... I mean, like... It's difficult to say because it's like an individual sport in a lot of ways. I mean, yeah, I have my caddy. So I feel like the undue pressure is like kind of 
always there because you just have like no one else to depend upon. Um, you know, you are like the creator of your own destiny in that regard of like how much you earn, you know, what you qualify for. If you're keeping your job at all, it like all depends on what you're doing on the golf course. And I think that in itself is just like such a pressured scenario that I think as golfers, we maybe almost like take that for granted and not for granted, but like, we just don't acknowledge it as like a thing because it's just like part of the job description, unfortunately. Um, but like, I can see, you know, how things like, you know, with the Olympics with Simone Biles, like there obviously was a lot going on in her life that got her to that point where she just like, it just, it, nothing was working, you know? And I, I can understand what exactly she probably was going through mainly because like that can happen in golf at like a much lesser um, degree of like actually really hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, like mm-hmm. there are things in golf where like all of a sudden you can't, you can't do something the right way. Like it's a weird, like mental mm-hmm. blockage. Mm-hmm. And so I got to imagine that's like a similar thing to what she experienced, but like ours isn't, threatening our lives <laughs> you know like hers no. is if she can't really do what she needs to do the correct way like it's extremely dangerous right she could fall off a beam and crack yeah. her neck correct right. like for us it's like just embarrassing to be fair yeah. like if you yeah. can't do it like if you you know are struggling with short putts or like you can't drive it like at all remotely on the planet like a lot of that those are mental blocks like at a professional level they're not really like a skill set issue yeah. But though all of that manifests from something else that's going on, you know, that's just not getting taken care of. Mm-hmm. You're really vocal in your support of Simone and her journey through dealing with her mental health. Like, can you? Yeah, can you I just get I get tired of people like harping on athletes um, for not doing what they think that they need to be doing. You know, mm-hmm. what do you think? What do you what do you think? Um, associations or even just like viewers consumers of professional sports can do better to support athletes going through things like that do you think it's tough because like we are entertainment at the end of the day like we're providing people with you know something to watch and escape from whatever it is they're doing so like we're getting held to a standard like that that we should be constantly providing people with entertainment but i feel like if people can just try to understand that it is still like a job in the sense that like we have to go through all of these things to to provide you with this entertainment you know Mm. that it's not just like we don't just wake up in the morning and like she doesn't just wake up and do all of those crazy things that she does on the floor or on the beam or on the ball without like basically just giving up her entire life and body to it like day in and day out and I just think that people forget that that is like a that's her journey, hundred percent. I mean, golf is a little bit less physically demanding, but the time is not a ton different. You know, you talk to some of the best players, like if you, you know, talk to someone like Tiger Woods or whoever, that that man's dedicated his entire life, like every waking moment, to doing that. And like people just forget that that is just what you have to do to be that good, right? And it's hard, you know, you sacrifice a ton of things that, you know, you don't get back. Yeah. One, one through line that we've seen through the show and through the guests that we've had on is 
that it really takes a village in order to be at the the highest level. And I think um, for for us, we're really happy to peel back the curtain and have these conversations with uh, athletes and and people that are in this space. And uh, we're really thankful that you've been very open about that. But um, I think hopefully that will allow people to to have a little bit more empathy, uh, not only for you know themselves, but also for you know, professional athletes that they see and, and that they pay to, to see and, and cheer on. And it's, and it's tough. Like I understand, like you, you can look at some like really, really high profile athletes. Like, uh, like you go tennis, for example, um, like let's say Djokovic, like that man has, you know, a support staff, like you're saying a village for everything in his life, you know, whether it's his hitting coach, his nutritionist, his physical therapist, maybe he has a chef. Um, he probably also has a trainer and like, he probably has like, let's say like sick, a manager, an agent, like all of these people helping him do everything that he can do. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's probably why he's incredible and there's no stopping him. But then there is like a million people underneath him that don't do all of those things. And those are the people that kind of like, no one really thinks to understand their journey because mm-hmm. you're only like really seeing like the best people on TV or whatever the case is. Like the average fans only really exposed to a small, small percentage of, of the athlete in that sport. And they don't understand everyone else's journey. So yeah, when they see athletes on TV complaining about things, they think that they're like entitled and they're spoiled or whatever. But at some point, like he had to go through that entire process to get to where he has access to all of that, you know, mm-hmm. it didn't just like appear in his lap and that's really the same point. for everyone who's at a high level. Like there was a journey just, to get to that point. I wonder who or what needs to be said, uh, to, to like greater sports media, uh, watchers to be like, sit down for five minutes and let me as the pro athlete, as the Olympian, the medalist, tell you what is going on, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Everything that you just said, you know, we don't just show up. There's a grind. I think as, like, like more people get comfortable like chronicling their life and like what has happened mm-hmm. to get them to that level of success. Like I think there, a lot of people will begin it to see the overlapping like commonalities like across sports of like what it what it really takes to stay at a high level of professional athleticism for X amount of years or whatever the case may be. And I just think like, again, it's just talking about it. Like nothing really, um, there's no way to kind of change the narrative about it unless more people are willing to talk. And I think the more people that do, I, I, you know, then it just becomes a bit more of an awareness, like, okay, yeah, this is a, this is very legitimate thing. Like it's not just one person complaining, you know, you have, dozens of athletes sharing similar stories and then you can kind of understand like, Hey, this is a pretty, pretty common thing. Um, it's, it's not, you know, it's not someone who's spoiled, who doesn't want to do press conferences. <laughs> it's, it's also yeah. people having conversations about mental health and not to pat ourselves on the back, but you know, Simone was obviously a very high profile person to talk about that. Uh, Matthew Wolf has been outspoken, mm-hmm. Kevin Love, and, you know, it's really easy to to see an ESPN article about LeBron spending a million dollars a year on his body, on, his, you know, the if cryogenic chamber. If I had a million dollars a year to spend on myself, I absolutely would. Like, exactly. yeah. smart. So Mark, budget, blow it out. It. Like, 
And it's that <laughs> man has made his career incredible because of that. Like, and you yeah. cannot, whether you like LeBron or not, like you can't take that away from him because mm-hmm. he is like, as an athlete, he's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And he's yeah. treating himself. He invests in himself. Right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So hopefully we can just have more of those conversations of people talking about investing in their mental health and just make that more of a, not a, a, a taboo subject. And, uh, you know, I think we'll, we'll be trending in the right direction. I think there will be like, there has been like some dialogue on our tour about it and we do have access to, um, resources, like if we need them, which is, which is great. Sorry. I think they're doing landscaping. I don't know if you guys can. That's okay. We love background noise. We like every episode is riddled with background noise. We love it. Okay, wonderful. Well, yeah, I think I'm getting my uh, my the lawn's getting mowed right now. But um, that's what has the flavor, you know. I do think that uh, as it becomes, you know, more commonplace to talk about it, then you know, organizations will be like, hey, we need to invest in this for our athletes, or we need to at least provide them with you know, an avenue to help themselves if they need it. Um, And then the second part is like wanting to actually take that step too. Like that doesn't matter who you are or what you do, you know, wanting to help fix the problem is kind of then back on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And embracing joy. Like, so uh, something that I've noticed in professional golf is that like golfers don't really celebrate. Like I I don't see enough acceptance of success on any tour really, or even, and that, and I think that trickles into amateur players too. Like when I'm playing with friends, I hear a lot of negative self-talk. I hear a lot of like, Oh, I missed that four footer. You idiot. And worse. Um, and, and there's never any display of celebration. Can you speak to sort of like what is going on there? I think the tough, like, I don't know. Cause I don't really know enough about other sports and their team dynamics or their individual dynamics. But I feel like golf is um, you get a lot more disappointment than you do reward in the game. Um, So I just feel like it's easy to go down that path of like not really celebrating anything that is good because you're kind of like disappointed a lot of the time. (laughs) So, you know, when something good does happen, you're just like, Oh, that happened. Like you're almost shocked. My hands. (laughs) It's, it's a, a game, game of misses. misses. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is a game of, but I think that I also do think that Tiger a little bit like has ruined the game for everyone because <laughs> he is so good and good that like <laughs> something that is just like so unattainable that you look at like yourself, even me as like a professional or as an amateur. And you think that you should be like doing all of these things because you've watched someone do all of these things. Mm-hmm. And- mm. <laughs> we, were, we were just talking before you came on about consistency in your game. And obviously Tiger has been the model of consistency throughout his career. And it's like, you know, that's, that's a really hard bar to set for anyone to be attainable to, you know, to even think that this is where, we, we should, should be, be as, 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 as golfers. golfers. Yeah, I think Tiger probably uh, is going to be a very, like, maybe a crazy statement, but I think he probably has the best mind in all of sports across any any sport at any level. Mm-hmm. Um, like, Facts. A, his performance, but then, 100%. like, if you take into account, like, everything that was going on in his life outside of mm-hmm. golf and, like, 
how I was talking about how, you know, that stuff will eventually eat away at you. Like if things are not aligned and you're not like in a good place, he has managed like to separate and do his golf thing and nothing else affects his golf, like other than his golf. And it is just, it's, it's really amazing. Like Mm -hmm. in that regard, like his brain is definitely one of the best athlete brains like that has probably ever existed. So can we get you to say, um, I would love to see Tiger Woods on the group golf therapy podcast. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if he's willing, if Tiger's willing to give you guys some insight into his, uh, into his, like how he operates on the golf course, then yes, like definitely yeah. get on there. We might get 90 the, seconds the, if we're lucky. Who knows? Yeah. It would be a glorious 90 seconds. It would be the, a glorious 90 seconds. So the world, the world would love to see into the the mind of of tiger woods that's uh that's something yeah, that no one's ever been able to tap into and i don't know if we ever will but it is just <laughs> something that we'll just be like wow we'll try i kind of like the mystique about it i don't know that i really want to unpack it so much but i think the world would enjoy that so maybe we'll maybe we'll maybe we'll make it happen maybe not <laughs> hey y'all this is brad and connor andrew we wanted to take a quick second and thank you for listening It truly means a lot to us, and we want you to know that you're loved and you're welcomed here. And if you ever need a listening ear, to vent, or just to talk to somebody who cares, we want to remind you that group golf therapy is a safe space. Our DMs are always open, at group golf therapy on Instagram. Hit them straight, and mind your golf. So keeping on the on the sort of like joy track, you won your first uh, professional tournament in Portland at the at the Portland Classic. What was you what was going on in your head like coming down the stretch? You won by four strokes, so like that's kind of a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> not a lot. Uh, not so. It's funny. I have had in the past like I would leaderboard watch like too much, and I would get a little like. Uh, I would I wouldn't look at the leaderboard, and then I would peek up, and I would be like, oh wow. And then that would kind of rattle me a bit. And then I would kind of change my game plan or I would start playing maybe like defensively because I'm trying to protect something or trying not to make a mistake or whatever. Um, so that week, I after I shot a 62 the first day, I was like, listen, you're not going to look anymore. Like you're just going to stop paying attention. And I mean, I glanced like when the rounds were over, but when I went into Sunday, my objective was just to like go out and have a good day, mainly because... I was like, whatever, four shots back, I think, at that point. And I was like, or maybe five, I don't know. But I was just like, this is probably not my week. Like, I'm prob- honestly like, to win is going to be a challenge. Like, I had, there was a couple girls ahead of me. I think Georgia Hall had won the, the, um, the Open that year. And Minji Lee, another incredibly um, talented, you know, really strong player. And I'm like, the chances of them giving up that many shots, you know, not very high. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So like, so let's just go out and have like another good, um, solid day. Like just keep working on the confidence and improving and like your time will come. I was like, you know what, this just might not be it. And so I just didn't look at the leaderboard. I got off to like a really fast start and I was just like, I'm just going to keep rolling with it. And I didn't know until 18 when I was like hitting my shot into the green and my caddy was like, telling me what the scenario was and and then i was like kind of like overwhelmed at that point and i was like okay don't six putt (laughs) (laughs) oh my god whatever whatever you do oh i just got i just got like tense thinking about that 
Yeah. Right. So how did you how did you celebrate that win? Did you like go crazy after the round? Yeah. Um. A couple. You know, one of the nicest things was like a lot of my friends had stayed um to see me like off the 18th green, which was great. Um, and went out. Um, I don't remember where I went. Just a couple, a lot of random places that night in Portland with some of my friends. Um, it was good. I had a great time. That's awesome. You know what I I really appreciate about the LPGA is y'all celebrate each other. Yeah. Like. That, that does not happen on the PGA Tour. I saw John Rahm hug Tony Finau for the first time. Like John Rahm is a pretty good guy, and that mm-hmm. he's like, he's- oh, for sure. Um, and there's like a couple guys, like Ricky is around, a lot of friends and, and stuff, but it's not as common. No, nobody's jumping into a, a a body of water with their friends after one of their <laughs> their friends win. Like, yeah, no one's getting no one's getting the champagne shower either on the PGA right. Tour. No, yeah. the champagne shower has been nice, and I I think especially for a lot of <laughs> if you're your first win, hell yeah, you want to get champagne shower. Yeah, like yeah. that's amazing. Oh, um, that's a moment you want to remember forever want it to be incredible so yeah I, I do like the fact that we are a bit more um into celebrating each other's wins which is nice that's incredible that's yeah, we, we, we love we love to golf. we love to see it yeah we love to see it yeah group golf celebrations love it love it <laughs> yes. um, can you speak to like what the during that week but also just like in past iterations of the tournament what the energy feels like competing in Portland versus other cities. Yeah. It's we've always had an awesome fan base. I, and I don't know what this year is going to be like um, with COVID. I don't, I'm hoping that we're allowing fans out there. I honestly don't know what the setup is going to be. We'll be out there. Um, okay. Awesome. Um, but yeah, you, the community has always come out to watch. It's always been a very, I just like a good energy tournament. Um, so I'm hoping that we keep, you know, up with that trend. Uh, and I know everyone loves to come to Portland for a lot of those reasons. It just has like such a good feel about it. Yeah. Do you have much time during the tournament week to like bop around the city and, and explore things and eat out and stuff like that? I have in years past. Um, and just like, cause we were stayed at like Columbia is obviously in a completely different place than where like Oregon golf club will be. But like, I always used to stay um, in the like Alberta street district. And then I would just like walk around down there. That's where I live. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yeah. And then it was close to go to the golf course, but it was a really like break away from the course. I just felt like I was on like a little mini vacation. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I, if I can get some time to do that, I will, but I've taken trips like on my times there, like I've gone to Mount hood. I've gone to the coast. Um, I will just like find like, uh, I think I went one day on the Columbia River doing something. Yeah, I, I've oh. kind of done as much as I can there. That's amazing. I love to hear that. Do you? Oh, I, I had a question for you. Um, do you at all change your outfit scheme based on where you're playing <laughs> at all? Like, would you wear something weirder in Portland than you would? Oh, no. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Like, have to be comfortable in my own skin. Like, if if I can't be comfortable wearing it, then, like, I'm going to play terrible. Like, no. It it needs to suit me. No, it's not getting weirder for Portland. That's fair. I love Portland, but I'm not about to F up this money. (laughs) Exactly. Basically, yeah. (laughs) Okay. 
these are these are questions we ask most of our guests. Um, the answers are always so fun and entertaining. Okay, I love this it. Is, we we love to end on on uh, the high yeah. notes, but we should we should start with uh, the time on the golf course you have laughed the hardest. Um, this is embarrassing, but okay. I actually recently just told this story. Um, I was playing in France, and my caddy, luckily, was another um, female. And I was playing with a really good friend of mine, um, Jane Park, and I my pants like split from the front, <laughs> like up to like the zipper. I don't know what happened. And <laughs> I'm reading my putt, and like obviously, like everyone can see my oh, no. <laughs> And she comes up to me, and I like felt weird. I was like, something just doesn't feel right, like right now. And she's like, homie, your pants have ripped. <laughs> she addressed you as homie in that situation? <laughs> she said, that's what she said to me. She's like, dude, we have a problem. Like, you, you feel that breeze? That's, uh, that's, that's, we, gotta, we, we, gotta, we gotta deal with that. And I look down and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is Oh, that is so brutal. <laughs> that's not the moisture wicking pants that you're wearing. Yeah, yeah. That is the breeze I coming off. Golf bag, um, and I just popped those on, and I had to double pants it the rest of the round. Oh. Wow, luckily for those pants, racking I... up though, <laughs> so funny. There's really, there's really nothing you can do when, when you're on the middle of the golf course no. and needing a no. like in the middle well, of the a back clothing line. item. Like, yeah. Oh my gosh, we have a clothing crisis. S O L. Wow. Wardrobe malfunction. That's wow. terrible. Wow. I've never thought about that, but that's that's terrifying. Yeah, I, might yeah, bring yeah. An, I might bring an extra pair of shorts in my bag now. Jeez. You got to. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, yeah, yeah, Drew, it is. Yeah. <laughs> She's like, I got five pair of pants in my bag at all times now. <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite golf smell or smells? From uh, golf. Honestly, that's a good question because I feel like when I – well, I'm hoping I get the same vibe when we get to Oregon, but I always love playing Columbia because you can smell the trees there. And it was mm -hmm. always like unique because it was just like so, I mean, it's like that evergreen kind of mm -hmm. smell, but like it just made the air seem like so clean and amazing. But that's probably one of the best golf smells. Like I've gotten it there and we played at Sahali in um, Seattle, like outside Seattle. And that's another course where there's so many trees that you get that same smell. But yeah, that's probably the best. That's you, the best golf smell. You will get that at Oregon Golf Club. There are loads of trees and it's a very distinct, you're right. It's a distinct, unique Portland, North, like Pacific Northwest golf smell. It's a Pacific Northwest golf smell. 100%. Yeah. yeah. We got to What are trees? Yeah. Yeah. Good <laughs> Not cat, not cat, not cactuses. Yeah, yeah. No. Sorry, bro. The desert doesn't smell. Yeah. yeah, no. Yeah. Well, Marina, thank you so much for your time. Um, Thanks, it's guys. Been lovely to meet you. Um, we'll definitely be rooting for you in in Portland. I will be there. Yeah, I'll hopefully we'll see you, you guys person. out there. If you come out to watch, just uh, let yeah. me know. Come say hi. For sure, absolutely. And um, awesome. Yeah. Good cool. luck in prep and um, mind your golf. <laughs> mind yeah. your golf. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Yeah, you too. Thanks, Marita. Bye.